Today I had the incredible privilege of praying with a few folks that are from our church body that have lost loved ones recently and just to um, pray with them to hear how they were doing and to express our, um, our love as a church family. And one of those folks, she had made plans to go visit her father a while ago, not knowing that while she was there, she would be spending her final moments with her 94-year-old father. And tonight, as we come to the cross of Christ, and in thinking of that situation, I would ask you, it made me think of this question, that if you knew you had only a few hours to live, who would you want to talk to, and what would you say? Think of that for a moment. Maybe for some of you, like this precious lady in our church, you've had the gift of spending the final moments with a loved one where they took their final breaths here on this earth and the next one in heaven. These last words, as we would call them, can have an incredible impact on us. And we often cherish and never forget those last words when hearing them from our loved ones. And part of that is because it reveals the heart of the person who's speaking them. Today, again, as we come to the cross and we go to God's word, we are going to look at some of these last words of Jesus on the cross. In the gospel of John, the apostle John, who was there at the foot of cross on that Friday, of what we have known and celebrate today as Good Friday. So today our road to resurrection leads us to the foot of the cross. Would you join me in prayer? Lord, we pause this evening. And just like Mary and John... And they came to the foot of the cross, so too we come tonight in remembrance of the sacrifice that you were for us. And I pray that as we listen to three very simple words that you said that we probably have read before and often maybe just look over them, that through your spirit you would Bring a revelation to us of the significance of these words and that our hearts would cherish them tonight and in the days, months, and years ahead. Let it be so in your name, everyone said. Amen. So if you have your Bible, we're going to read from the Gospel of John chapter 19. I'll read verses 28 through 30. God's Word says, Jesus knew He knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. A jar of sour wine was sitting there, so they soaked a sponge in it, put it on a hyssop branch, and held it up to his lips. When Jesus had tasted it, he said, it is finished. Then he bowed his head and gave up. His spirit. 
So according to the Gospel of John and in each of the Gospels, they give us different scenes and scenarios, if you will. But John says part of Jesus' last words were one three-word sentence that said, I am thirsty, and another that said, it is finished. Today on this Good Friday, we are going to focus on the first three words, these last words where Jesus said, I am thirsty. And what significance does that have for you and I today? Well, just like I mentioned at the very beginning, where you and I would listen so closely and intently, and we would cherish the last words of a loved one that we would be sitting with there, so too John and those that were there at the foot of the cross, they would have cherished every last word from Jesus' lips. However, we too should pay very special attention and careful attention to the last words that Jesus spoke that we have captured in Scripture. For these words offer hope, they offer encouragement, they offer direction, but they ultimately reveal the inside of Jesus' heart. They reveal who he is, and they reveal to us what he is doing. In this passage that we just read, Jesus has been turned over to the authorities. He has been found guilty. He has been beaten, and he has been nailed to a cross. And in these moments, Jesus is experiencing the wrath of God being poured out on him as he bears our sins. And here in the midst of that, Jesus says, I am thirsty. Now, we might think that these three words, I am thirsty, are maybe not as significant as other words, Jesus' last words that we're familiar with, such as, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do, or, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, or even the words John gave us, it is finished. But the words, I am thirsty, actually reveal a great deal about Jesus. And they reveal a great deal about the significance of Good Friday. So with these words, I am thirsty, I believe they reveal three things to us. First of all, they reveal that Jesus suffered physically. We just read verse 28, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And to fulfill scripture, he said, I am thirsty. So what does this mean? Well, Jesus' declaration of thirst, it comes at the end of his sacrifice. And I've already mentioned he's been mocked, he's been beaten, he's been crucified. His commitment and work of being a sacrificial lamb for you and I, it is nearly complete. Jesus physically feels that death is close. Jesus feels that he is moments away from dying physically. Friedrich Krumacher in his book, The Suffering Savior, said this, the blood vessels of his sacred body are almost dried up. A dreadful fever rages through his frame. His tongue cleaves to his jaws. His lips burn. And the author says, there is scarcely a greater torment than that of insatiable thirst. Those words, I am thirsty, 
remind us of the incredible physical suffering that Jesus suffered on our behalf. Jesus wasn't pretending to be thirsty. Jesus was physically thirsty. He was physically in pain. And this is where we understand one of the doctrines of Jesus being fully God and fully man. Jesus was every bit as human as us, and at the same time, he was fully God. He wasn't a superhuman being where he didn't experience pain. No, he felt pain just as every bit as much as you or I would have had we been nailed to that cross. And this is the mystery of God sending his son to be fully God and yet physically being 100% human. In those moments, Jesus was experiencing the pain and suffering our sin created in order to pay for our sin and remove the pain and suffering from this world. These words, I am thirsty, reveal not only that Jesus was physical, but second, that Jesus fulfilled Scripture. Again, Jesus knew that his mission was now finished. And John says, to fulfill Scripture, he said, I am thirsty. Those words, I am thirsty, fulfilled Scripture. Well, what Scripture are we talking about? Oftentimes, there have been theologians that will refer to Psalm 69, which is absolutely true. But I think it's quite possible that when Jesus was on the cross, he was thinking of the second 22nd chapter of Psalms. Let me explain. Let me read you some verses from Psalm chapter 22. In verse 1, Psalm 22, the psalmist writes, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Sound familiar? Jesus echoed those words. In verse 7 of Psalm 22, Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads, saying, Is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let the Lord save him. If the Lord loves him so much, then let the Lord rescue him. Those are similar to the cheers, the jeers of those who were watching Jesus be crucified. In verse 15 of that same chapter, My strength has dried up like sun-baked clay. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You have laid me in the dust and have left me for dead. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me. They have pierced my hands and my feet. And then last, same chapter, Psalm 22 and 18. They divide my garments among themselves and throw dice for my clothing. You see, the fact that Jesus fulfills Scripture in his last words by saying, I am thirsty and fulfilling Scripture that was written hundreds of years before, this should be a great encouragement to you and I today. Because in essence, Jesus is saying everything is going according to plan. As Jesus hangs on the cross, his declaration of thirst is a fulfillment of Scripture, reminding us that Jesus is the suffering servant. Jesus is the Lamb of God. Jesus is the one who takes away the sins of the world. God's plan for our salvation is being accomplished as it was written before. And we have to see and recognize that Jesus was not a victim. 
Jesus was not a victim hanging on a cross. Even though Satan, even though the religious leaders of that day and the Roman Empire meant his death for evil, God meant it for the greatest good. And everything was a going according to plan. The third thing I am thirsty reminds us of is that Jesus provides for our thirst. Now, to understand this, we have to go all the way back to the second chapter of Genesis, to the beginning, where we know that God created Adam and Eve. He created our world. And in that garden, in perfection, Adam and Eve lacked nothing. God created their physical bodies to be perfect. Sometimes I think we miss this because we live in a pre- or post-sin world. Adam and Eve lived in a pre-sin world. What that means is we experience sickness. We experience hunger. We experience thirst. But think about this. Prior to sin entering into the world, prior to their disobedience, Adam and Eve did not experience sickness. They did not experience hunger. They did not experience thirst. Can you imagine one day, all of a sudden, you don't know hunger, you don't know thirst, and then the next day, after being disobedient to God, you do. So they were perfect. They didn't experience any of that until they disobeyed God and were sent out of the garden. From that point on, they did experience death, sickness, pain, suffering, hunger, and thirst. And all of those things pointed back to the way it should have been. It was a reminder of what they had lost. Also, all throughout the Old Testament, thirst was a picture of judgment. I'll give you some examples. In the book of Deuteronomy, God warns the Israelites about breaking their covenant. And he says, if they do, they will hunger and thirst as a nation. In the book of Hosea, chapter 2, The prophet challenges Israel and says to turn from their idolatry or they will thirst. Isaiah says if they don't turn away from their idolatry, they will be a garden without water. And even the prophet Jeremiah says and warns the Israelites that if not turning away and being obedient to God's covenant, they will be forsaking the fountains of living water. Thirst in the Old Testament, was a picture of judgment. And yet it was the prophet Isaiah who told of a coming king who will bring salvation. And in Isaiah's words in chapter 55, he says, Is anyone thirsty? Come and drink, even if you have no money. Come, take your choice of wine or milk. It is all free. See, thirst was a physical representation of our spiritual dehydration. Jesus bears our thirst curse and gives us living water. Do you remember the time Jesus met the woman at the well? And he says to her, anyone who drinks this water, speaking of the physical water in the well, anyone who drinks this water will become thirsty again. But he tells her, but those who drink the water I give, will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. And now we look to Jesus on the cross and here 
He is providing what the curse of physical thirst points to, our spiritual thirst, and ultimately him being our spiritual refreshment. The same author, John, in the book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible, writes again in chapter 7, that is why they stand in front of God's throne and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will give them shelter. They will never again be hungry or thirsty. They will never be scorched by the heat of the sun, for the Lamb on the throne will be their shepherd. He will lead them to springs of life-giving water, and God will wipe away every tear from their eye. There are some that may be here tonight, and you're spiritually dehydrated. There was a lady in the last service who told me this was the first time she had been here in five or six months. Some of you, it may be your first time in this place. Those maybe watching online, you feel spiritually dehydrated. We suffer. We experience hardship. We experience trials. We experience both physical and spiritual hunger, physical and spiritual thirst. But Jesus reminds us that he is the fulfillment and he is the spiritual refreshment of that. And one day when we are with him in heaven, those things will be no more. 